0: Shapeshifters on the Money Show. I'm trying to work out if we've had a lawyer as a shapeshifter before. Can lawyers shift shape or they just cut? Or is there a mold that they are cut from? And are they all the same? I wonder. Leslie Sidibe is a lawyer who found his soul and now he runs Proudly South Africa. He spent some time working at Safa. But you were at WITS as, 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 a, as a youngster, were you?
1: I was uh, 17 years old when I went to law school. 17? Yes.
0: So you did all right at school?
1: Uh, not too badly. Not to shame. I do have matric. Well, that's a relief. It are, helps. B- are you a doctor? I'm working on that.
0: Okay, excellent. Are you, are you seriously? To, uh, like a real doctor? I'm working on that. You're working on it? Yes. Okay, but like honestly? Or it's, like... it's important that
1: we tell the truth.
0: <laughs> the truth is important. We, we seem to lack a bit of a truth deficit in South Africa.
1: Amilcar Cabral reminds us that we should never hide anything from the masses of our people, expose lies whenever they are told, Mask no difficulties, mistakes, and
0: failures, and claim no easy victories. Who's this person? Amilcar Cabral. Okay, um, but we're not living to that, though. I mean, as as chief executive of proudly South African, do you feel proudly South African right now?
1: I am concerned about the trajectory. Um, certain things about South Africa are concerning, um, but I think overall, when you beyond the headlines and you look at the story. That South Africa has to tell, I think President Zuma eloquently put it um, this way. He says we have a good story to tell, and I think we do. Um, if you think of South Africa before 1994, yep. and you look at South Africa today, we have we have we've um, there's a lot that we have accomplished in the 20 years, um, and for many years we were the darlings of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, Did that make us lazy? I think complacent. we we became complacent and I think we kind of drifted and I think we we began to what Madiba wanted us in fact when he took oath he said we should never beat our breast and break about the fact that we know it all in fact here's another interesting quote for you and this is um, by minister Trevor Manuel he says South Africa has the means the goodwill the people and the resources to eliminate poverty and reduce inequality it is within our grasp, but it will not happen unless we, ni- we write this new story. A story of a people, their relationship, their dreams, and their hopes for a better tomorrow. And then he goes on to say... A, "That it, that's it, that's it, it also requires in the budget speech. Yeah. Yeah, he he, also, he then says, it also requires us to be humble, never pretending that we have a monopoly on wisdom. So where have we gone wrong then? Well, one of the key things I think where we went wrong, and, and, and this for me was dramatized by the incidents that happened in Marikana is is that we have kind of shifted from our ability to find common ground um, through meaningful dialogue. Mm. Um, our story, which was regarded by many as a miracle story uh, in 1994, uh, was based on um, a, a great selling point that no other nation has, and, and that's Ubuntu. Um, humanity. Uh, We were able to demonstrate humanity. But I think 20 years down the road, when you look at uh, issues around economic transformation, uh, I think as South Africans, that's an area where we're grappling. And and questions have been asked as to whether it is up to black people to carry the burden of forgiveness in society. We still have a, Mm -hmm. a, a serious issue around land, which we must address. And if we don't address the issue of land responsibly, I think that we are, we are asking for, you know, whichever way, even mm. if you are dyslexic, the word K-A-K still is <laughs> the same way. Um,
0: but Leon Lowe, for example, they had a big uh, press conference today talking about property rights. And Leon Lowe has been banging the property rights drum for some time and saying you go back to apartheid era of property issues and, for example, title deeds in townships. And he says if we gave title to everybody who, who lives in a home in a township, we would make land. Land owners are of 8 to 12 million South Africans almost immediately I mean, there's, and there's a there's an interesting and that's a, and that's, you know, that's a, that can be done at the stroke of a pen
1: there's a there's an interesting book written by one Peruvian economist called Hernando de Soto mm-hmm. called the mystery of capital and one of the points that he makes in the book is the need to have one one of the things that the South talks about the, the you know the West and, and and the rest of us that we do not have what is called a representational economy. So, because if you took, I can tell you this, Chris, because I I, I can well, safely Bruce say I was born Fred. in Alex, so yeah. I, I I I know that it's expensive to build a shack. Eh? Yeah, believe it or not, and and unfortunately, when somebody wants to start a, a a business, um, and and they say to you, "My collateral is my shack," uh, those that have the financial means or the financial wherewithal will laugh at you. Yeah, we do not consider uh, my mukuku in Alex. To be um, to constitute a form of collateral, and I think that is something wrong with our economy.
0: Uh, absolutely right. But if we can give title deed to people who live in their homes, you you have created the first building block of a financial future.
1: Yeah, but we need to address the broader issue around land. The mm-hmm. fact that over eighty percent of the land still resides in the hands of the, f- in the of the few. I think it's 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 a historical injustice that must be corrected. And I think it but, will require goodwill on the hands on the part of those that have that land who acquired it. As, who are beneficiaries of the 1913 Land Act mm. to, to, to really come to the table. We must all, as South Africans, understand that for this thing to work, unless if we want to become another, another Palestine and Israel, you know, I, I think we need to, to deal with these issues in a very responsible way.
0: But, but land reform up until now has been patchy. Um, and it's, Extremely pedestrian and, and, and frustrating. And it's been, but 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 where there has been land reform, um, the results have not been spectacular.
1: It, it has not, primarily because you see, here's the point I want to make. People are frustrated and you only become frustrated when you have invested in something. You see, when somebody does not have shares invested in a stock exchange or if Mm. whether it's a Microsoft uh, uh, shares, I don't care about their share price. If I don't have Vodacom shares, I don't care about the Vodacom share price. And investment leads to expectation. And if your expectation is not fulfilled, it leads to disappointment. And when people get disappointed, that's when you have problems. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the challenge that we face.
0: Is the solution, is the land solution a rural solution or is it an urban solution? All around the world we see greater urbanization, people moving away from, from, from rural areas. Well, is well, that an ownership issue or is that simply a better economic opportunity in urban areas? I think,
1: I think we need to go back to the basics. And I've, I've said this before and I'm going to say it again. As unpopular as it might sound to some people... I think we need to make the point. We've made mistakes when it comes to education. We need to fix our education. We spend a lot of money on education with poor outcomes. So I think it's one of the first things we need to do. We need to deal with uh, our education system, make sure that we get better outcomes out of our education system. We are currently training people uh, and we have universities and institutions of higher learning producing graduates who unfortunately are not fit for the market. So, and, and if you really have to go to the substance of it all, is that we, we need to address fundamentally the education system. We almost need to go back to uh, our friend across the road, Robert Mugabe, and say, what did you do right? But
0: And that was the, the genius I, I mean, of, of 1980
1: absolutely. In, in, in Zimbabwe. Absolutely. Because if, 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 I mean, today an average Zimbabwean is, is better educated than an average South African. And yet we brag about the fact that we are a leading nation. I don't think I, so. I think those are some of the basic things that, as South Africans, we we really need. We need to go back to basics. We need to fix our education system. Uh, the fact that you have a a metric pass rate of thirty percent. I mean, I I ask you with tears in my eyes, would you take your own son to be circumcised by a doctor who passed at thirty percent? I know I wouldn't. And I think for me that is that is that is, the, that is the the nuts of the problem.
0: Back to the back to the opening question: Are you proudly South African? I
1: am. I I love South Africa. I, I, I you know I am one of the greatest love affairs that anyone can ever have is with their country. I love my country. I love the people of South Africa. We are an interesting people. Um, we we are a resilient nation, um, and I think we may not even be aware of it. And maybe let me get scriptural on you. Oh, if you read the dear. book of Hebrews 12... I'm going to take, take your word on this. No, you have to. Okay. It says, we, we, now that we are encompassed by this great cloud of witnesses, what is the point? The point is that the world is watching us, whatever we do, whatever we say. And I think that we were able to produce a Nelson Mandela as South Africa... The world today, the world is in a crisis and people are saying in the yeah. Middle East, if only they had a Nelson Mandela, if Syria had a Nelson Mandela, if Bahrain, if, if Ukraine had a Nelson Mandela, this would be a better world. And and, and I think that we, we have somehow drifted from those democratic gains or the, de- the gains of the democratic revolution. Uh, and, and we need to go back to the basics to say, "How do we fix South Africa and and get back on the trajectory where we we we, we are a leading nation and in fact, the whole world looks at us and say um there 's an example of how you can achieve nation-building and social cohesion.
0: Uh, we we're off the, we were off the, the, the beaten path completely in terms of tonight's Shapeshifter interview, but I'm enjoying it immensely. Leslie Sidibe is the chief executive of uh, Proudly South African. We'll get back on track um, in just a moment. I love this SMS. And H, I'm not too sure if you're trying to be funny uh, or whether or not you're one of the many. Um, only 38% of the 2001 intake wrote for in 2013. What happened to the other 72%? That's 110 by my calculation. Leslie Sidibe, tonight's uh, Shapeshifter. Why are people on my Twitter account saying, uh, ask him tough questions about Safa? You ran Safa before the World Cup.
1: Yeah, thank you for reminding me of my painful past.
0: Why, why, um, why was it painful?
1: Well, I mean, the name says it all, Safa.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you, you do stand-up comedy on a Saturday night from time to time. Uh, for the
1: record, th- I did Safa, just so that... Why, uh,
0: why was it tough?
1: Well... Uh, Safa is a sick organization.
0: Was it sick when you got there?
1: Safa has always been sick, and Safa will always be sick what? for as long as you've got sick people running it. You know, I, um, I gave an interview uh, shortly after I left Safa and, yeah. and Ready show, and I used this quote, um, and it says this, and I quote, it says, there comes a time in your life when you walk away from all the drama and the people who create it. You surround yourself with people who make you laugh. Forget the bad and focus on the good. Love the people who treat you right. Pray for those, who don't, th- for those that don't.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Life is too short to be anything but happy. Uh, okay, stop giving me quotes and tell me what you mean. What I mean by that is I, be, being in an organization where there is no genuine commitment, <clears throat> there is this sense of dramatic irony where people say the one thing and they do the other. You see, one of the mistakes that, well, it's not a mistake, really. Um, when you have a, a country that has just um, gone through a very successful election, the first democratic election in 94, and in 95, we we win the Rugby World Cup in spectacular fashion. You have Madiba walking onto the pitch mm-hmm. wearing a green jersey. Um, 96, by default, Nigeria uh, d- 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 does not get to participate and and, and host the the Africa Cup of Nations. We end up hosting it, and we end up winning it. Um, Expectations were created. You know, I often tell my my greatest friend, uh, Yusuf Abramji, about uh, another friend who's a gynecologist who says... My job as a gynecologist is to manage expectation. It's not to give birth to babies. It's to manage expectation. And I think if you were to use the metaphor of a gynecologist, I think that South Africa pre-94 was pregnant with expectation. Yeah. We're we, we all wondering what type of a South Africa we're going to have post-1994. And, and like with every child, uh, you know, will the child be mommy or will it be like daddy? And, and what type of a person? Will they grow up to be a disappointment and be a lawyer or be a doctor or be a musician? <laughs> We didn't, we, yeah. we, you know, those are the type of expectations. I think what we now are dealing with in South Africa is how do you manage those expectations? The culture of entitlement that you see amongst our peoples, those are the issues we need to address. And so it is that South Africans then had this winning mentality. And we wanted to move from one chandelier of success into another. Why and why does we And it doesn't work that way yeah. in life. There is absolutely no way that South Africa will qualify to any significant round in the fifa world cup or any significant uh, tournament for, for as long as we don't do what we're supposed to do and that is to spend money in, um, Deve- in development yeah. and not buying people cars and buying them suits mm. uh,
0: it, 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 it's a great tragedy i mean and also i mean issues of corruption within fifa for example um there was a guy called raj perumal who who was quite controversial at, at the time of the FIFA. well world why cup, didn't fifa deal with him yeah why didn't
1: fifa deal with him I, I don't know. Why was he allowed into South Africa in the mm-hmm. first place if FIFA knew that this guy is a criminal?
0: But did you why have, was he
1: not on the prohibited list of people that were undesirable yeah. people who were supposed to enter the country? He, he, wasn't, he wasn't seen as a football hooligan, possibly. No, but, no, I mean, no. But he was doing all sorts of match-fixing No, stuff. but yeah. if you do, if you know that you have a character that is a ravaging football worldwide, why did you not put him on a, on a list of undesirable people who are not supposed to, be, to go into the country? Do you think it suits their agenda? Of course it does. Mm.
0: Is, that, is that half of football's problem?
1: Is but That's football, part of the problem. The problem with you, football is not the, it's not the fans. It's the people that are running
0: it. <laughs> we are the problem. Did you ever meet Raj per- Perumal? No, I don't know him. Because yeah, you know, people have talked about him hanging around Safa headquarters no, and all I, that sort I, of
1: stuff. I've never met him.
0: Yeah. I don't know what he looks like aren't you glad <laughs> um yeah but, 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 but we, i mean we're going all over the place with this but you've, you've had a, a colorful career um the last time you were in our studios uh, udo carlson said to you show me the labels in your clothes uh, you were the chief executive of proudly south african of course yeah so so um i like your shoes uh, fancy fancy shoes i like your trousers i like that jacket what's the label in the jacket
1: uh, well, um, you can read it for. Is that a Rex? It says issue? made in South Africa. It's a Rex from label I think, from yeah. from an imported fabric. The point that we make here is that South Africa does not have it all. There are certain aspects of our industry and our economy where we have to outsource. The point that we make, though, is we do not want South Africa to um, to be to be seen as a warehouse of imported goods, um, where you import. A, I'll give you an example: brown bread. OK, mm-hmm. our brown bread is made of wheat. Yeah, we do not have enough wheat in South Africa. But what we say is that when the wheat comes into South Africa and it's turned into bread, there is a substantial transformation of the sure. raw material. And that is the point that we make. Mm. And for us, it qualifies. Why? Because then a South African would have been employed uh, they would have got a job. There's a job opportunity created and it helped us to deal with the, tri- the triple challenges of poverty, unemployment and growing inequalities. But we're just not creating the jobs. Well, I mean, I saw an article, uh, a newspaper headline uh, from the start today saying it's about the economy, stupid. That's what we need.
0: That's Bill Clinton's line from the from the 1990s. Um, I mean, it is all about the economy. Do we have a firm enough grasp on the economic challenges to to coin a a political term?
1: Well, here's my my view. I think that from a policy standpoint, um, I think we've got it's not perfect, but I think we've got a very solid policy framework. And I think we need to congratulate government that we have very strong macroeconomic policy framework. Yeah. The problem we have in South Africa is the deficit of implementation. Yeah. Is this, we simply do not get to doing what is on paper.
0: Why don't we do what's on paper? Do we lack the skills? Do we lack the political will? Do we lack the ability to do I it?
1: think political will is part of the problem. Um, and you see, it's a leadership issue. I I came across a very interesting man as part of my journey in life. And you would know him from from business school days. Uh, He wrote a book called The One Minute Manager, Ken Blanchett. He has now developed what is called a, a leadership model called Lead Like Jesus. And in it, he talks about servant leadership. You see, servant leadership, Bruce, says, it's not about me. It's about the people or the people. It's about the people. If you can understand that fundamentally, as a leader, I am called to serve and not to serve my own interest, and I think that is where we are lacking as a nation. Leadership is exemplary. That's absolutely crucial. It is absolutely, and 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 this is not. Leadership only in political terms. It's
0: also about leadership in business. Well, it goes to Lead SA. It goes to the principles of Lead SA, Absolutely. Each one of us. Because
1: we tend to be yeah. very hypocritical, in a, and I, presumably because we are paying tax to government, that's why we, we complain. But fundamentally, if you have a CEO that rakes up millions and millions of uh, of bonuses and you have your low-level employees who are fired because, hey, we're trying to save costs so your CEO can have more money, we are asking for trouble. Yeah. Once again, whether you're dyslexic or not, the word KAK <laughs> still reads the same
0: way. <laughs> Leslie Sidibe, we're going to leave it there. He's the chief executive of Proudly South African. An unusual shapeshifter interview this evening, but there's lots to talk about. Leslie Sidibe, who trained as a lawyer, as he's got a tax qualification. We need a head of SARS. I wonder if he'd be. Do, do you know how that? I got to study that,
1: uh, do the LLM in tax? I had a meeting. I was in the music industry at the time, and gee, we were under siege. The artists were under siege. And, and I had a meeting, uh, what's his name was, uh, the former Pravin Gordon. Yep. At the time, he was the commissioner. And, and he wanted to recruit me uh, to, to join SARS. I said, okay, fine, I'll go study tax first before I join you. Uh, I never went back. Look, uh, I don't pay tax. I must just make that point. I don't pay tax. They usually take it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I told you, he does a comedy routine in his spare time. Leslie Sidibe, chief executive of Proudly South African.